Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners, thanks for tuning into the podcast again. Tired of your business's healthcare costs unpredictably increasing every year? Healthcare costs are typically a business's second or third line item expense. And if you're like most employers, it's an expense that's growing faster than your revenue. Luckily for employers, Novetta Health has the solution. Novetta Health is a full-service healthcare consulting firm with proven strategies to lower your healthcare costs by up to 30% or more. They operate on a fee-for-service model and never mark up any of their medical or pharmaceutical claims. None of your employees have to leave their doctor or pharmacist either. Their health captive and pharmacy benefit manager are the most cost-effective and transparent solutions in the whole country. What they do is not magic, it's just honest. So if you're tired of overspending on health insurance and want to learn more, visit outcomesrocket.health save for a free spend analysis to see how you too could save by switching to Novetta Health. That's outcomesrocket.health save for your free spend analysis. Outcomesrocket.health save. Welcome back to the podcast. Really appreciate you tuning in again. Today, I have a special guest for you. His name is Chris Cornu. He's a Chief Strategy and Innovation Officer at Navicent Health. He's passionate about healthcare and impacting organizations domestically and globally to create healthier, more efficient, better accessible, more integrated, technology-enabled, and person-centric healthcare delivery environments. The future of healthcare is global. And Chris brings more than 20 years of professional healthcare experience where he leverages expertise in leaderships, operations, strategy, innovation, physician relationships, and clinical performance, both domestically and globally. He previously served as executive leader of consulting and futurist with SG2, a, a global healthcare analytics and intelligence company. He was the CEO of McKee Medical Center, where he led the organization to strong financial and top decile performance and quality outcomes and patient satisfaction. And he's done a number of other things with technological advances, service line integrations within healthcare provider institutions. So it's a true pleasure to have Chris on the podcast today. And Chris, why don't you fill in any of the blanks there on the intro that you may want to share with the listeners? Welcome. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. And Saul, I think that you covered the majority of it. The only thing that I would say is it's been helpful with my career as well is it's a combination of both academic medical center experience in the past and then also community-based hospitals. And I think that gives me a really strong perspective of the importance for everything we do in healthcare in order to go back into improving the health of the community. So I think that those early parts of my career working in those environments also has helped me with what I do today too. Great, great filler there. I, I agree is a, is a great point, uh, Chris. Now, what, what got you into the uh, medical sector to begin with? It's interesting. I think like many individuals who end up going into hospitals and health systems or, or leaders in the health industry, I was starting to be a physician. I was training to be one. Finances got in the way. And so I ended up going a different track than what was expected. And so I ended up going into the healthcare administration world. So because of that initial beginning of my career where I wanted to be a physician, it was very important for me to improve healthcare from that perspective. I've channeled that into this different track of my career that I've followed ever since, which is to create the environment that's helpful for physicians and caregivers to be able to provide the best care they can. And you know that's evolved, of course, over the last 20 years, where now it's not just in the hospital setting, it's much more and probably even more important to do so in the community-based setting. So 
that's kind of the trajectory that ended up shifting for me. And now I've been on the, that side of the healthcare industry now. That's brilliant. So you pivoted from aiming to be a provider to now creating environments to help providers have success. You've done so for many years. And I'm just curious, Chris, what you believe is a hot topic that needs to be on every health leader's agenda. And how are you guys approaching it? I think the biggest thing is that we need to be able to to create change for healthcare. And again, the different types of models that we need to be having, I don't think anybody who's listening is going to be thinking any differently that we need to reinvent or at least evolve healthcare system to one which is a little more consumer facing, a little more consumer focused, but also more importantly is across a wider system of care than just the acute care sector, as I've mentioned before. And as a result of that, you know, I think that one of the ways that we are able to get to a different outcome or a different environment to be able to elevate the health of communities, for us, it's a very strong focus around combining strategy and innovation, which again is why I'm in a role which is strategy officer and innovation officer. Not very common in healthcare systems, but the importance for that was to make sure that we can marry what happens from a strategic focus where we are planning for relevance in the future. And we're doing that in different ways, but we're always making sure that we're figuring out where we need to be going. And then we have our innovation work, which is helping to create change. And we're doing that in a strong alignment with strategy. So I think for us to be successful in the future, we need to be aligning our strategy and our innovation work. And that's one of the things that we've been working to do at Navison Health. Love it. So give us an example, Chris, of, of something you guys have done to create results and improve outcomes. It's probably good to, to level set this a little bit too with our strategy focus. And again, people who are in the industry will be familiar with many of the things that I'll be talking about, but we really anchored our strategies around four guiding objectives. And the way that we thought about this is that for us to be relevant and successful in the future, we thought it was important for us to focus on four things. One, demonstrate value by taking on risk. So it's the movement from the fee-for-service to the care-based model where accountable care organizations were being paid for episodes of care, et cetera. And with that, we need to be improving our quality, reducing our costs, identifying revenue streams, and all that type of thing. So that's the first. The second is the importance around the consumer that I had mentioned previously already. And that is how do we go ahead and engage with consumers in meaningful ways? And so recognizing that so much of the care nowadays is going to be focused on the consumer with their out-of-pocket expenses, changing the healthcare system to be one that's recognizing the consumer as opposed to the convenience of physicians or people who work in a hospital. How do we go ahead and do that? The third is how do we go ahead and leverage new and disruptive technologies or how do we create an innovative world? And that's the e-health, the virtual health, the mobile health, but it's also how do we go ahead and do things differently? And then the fourth is really our strong focus, and this is kind of getting me to some of the things we've done in alignment with strategy innovation, but the fourth strategic guiding objective is how we go ahead and focus on population health. But we don't like to use the word population health because what we've seen and what we believe is that one person has a definition for population health, and it's different from somebody else's. So words are very important for us, and what we try to do is to make sure that we're all aligned around what that end outcome is, and that's not population health for us, it's to create healthy communities. And so that's our fourth guiding objective. When you unpack that fourth guiding objective, we have a focus on health equity, access, affordability, the triple aim, quadruple aim, 
all those things that come into it, including how do we go ahead and help to take care of vulnerable communities. So the marriage between having the focus around creating healthy communities for us is also with then the innovative work that we end up doing to make that happen. And so we've worked with a lot of different startups, a lot of different people who come to us, and that we also find uh, out in the, in the community, not only just in Georgia, but then throughout the United States and globally. And we ask them to come up with some solutions to help us to address our problems. Examples of this would be apps that are developed for adherence, et cetera. And so, you know, as we work to help address health equity and to get people healthier in their communities, we've used some of these different technologies to help make sure that, for example, COPD patients, that when they go back out in the community, they're able to then follow up with the care that they need to. They're able to make sure that they're following their regimen. They can continue to work and interface with our respiratory department. And then what's happened as a result is we've eliminated some of the disparities that exist in our community. So as you saw, it's a long-winded explanation, but the point is getting to the point where we are impacting care in the community ties directly to some of the work we've done innovatively back into the overall strategies for the organization. So thanks for allowing me to go through that long explanation, but um, it kind of gets us there. No, you know, Chris, I, I love it. I, I, I feel like it was concise and because how deep you went with it, demonstrating value by adding more risk, value-based cares is big and, and people are wanting to dive deeper on that. Consumerism of healthcare, you got, you know, Amazon and, and Apple and, and, you know, all these tech companies wanting to play here with disruptive technologies. And I love what you, the point that you made on, on changing population health, which could mean a lot of different things to different people to create healthy communities. I mean, it doesn't get any clearer mm -hmm. than that. <laughs> and so the clarity is key and uh, definitely uh, give you kudos for being able to verbalize this in such a, such a clear and easy way to, to understand. What would you say is an example of maybe a time that things didn't go your way, a setback, and what you learned from that that's made you better? Anybody who's in healthcare, if, if you ask them, have they had setbacks or how have they done with implementing things? And they say, everything always goes perfectly right. Well, <laughs> you got to run away from them because you know they're not telling the truth. In yeah. healthcare, just in general, but also in a realm when you're doing something around innovation, mm -hmm. you've just always got to be figuring out a different way or better ways to approach it, to engage people, to either buy into change to help drive the change internally, et cetera. And I don't think that people, it's not that they don't want to change. It's just that sometimes it's hard for them to get outside of their own perspectives mm -hmm. and kind of moving them a little bit further ahead as far as how they need to be doing things differently. And so I think that they want to, but they just don't know how to do that. So a great example, and we created a couple of years ago, the Center for Disruption and Innovation, which love to be able to kind of pick apart a little bit for you as well, if that makes sense. But yeah. one of the things we we're looking to do is to create a different approach around some of the work we've been doing with staffing. And that's a very expensive proposition where you need to be able to fill vacancies with agencies. And so we had an opportunity to work closely with an external partner to commercialize and to create a new approach around this. And internally, we had people who were ready to chip in and say, yep, we are going to do that. We, we know it's important. We have to reduce our costs and we have to be able to make sure that we have the care and the care providers there in order to take care of this. But sometimes I think we 
and I'm speaking for myself, sometimes we end up pushing a little bit too far. And we know that the end is in mind and where we need to be going. But the individuals that we need to kind of help guide us there and to be the people who actually execute on these strategies mm -hmm. and these different type of innovations, they're not quite there yet. And so sometimes when you're trying to get people fast and to a point where they can make a good impact, we need to do it at their pace. It's kind of like I think of a cliff. And in order for people to change, you've got to take them outside of their comfort zone and push them to that, that edge of the cliff. But the thing is, you can't push them over because then you'll never get them back. And so right. it's really recognizing, and we found this out through this example that I mentioned and a couple others, it's recognizing where is that comfort zone that you can push people just a little bit outside of so that they can help change what they need to be doing, but then where you don't lose them as a result. And a lot learned from that is we work to get people fairly young into our Center for Disruption Innovation. We work to get people on board and help to champion the work we're doing, but then also making sure that they were comfortable doing that. So that's one example. Yeah, it's a tough balance to achieve. So how far do you push and how fast do you push? And yeah, I got to make sure you don't push too far because they won't go come back. I mean, any organization, especially when you get to the size of your organization, like the one you're at, Chris, it's uh, definitely important to think of retention strategies and replacement strategies. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what would you say today is, is your proudest medical leadership experience? I think that it's really positioning what we've done around the CFDI, not from the work that comes from that, that ragtag group of four to five individuals that are helping to make change, but it's what happens when the champions across the system are coming forward and saying, yes, we made this change happen, and they're owning it. Part of, part of the success, I think, with innovation is not so much us saying, yeah, let's go ahead and do the innovation, let's make it work and all that type of stuff. It's having individuals at the organization that can be the right expert partners, but then from an operational or an execution perspective, are able to take it, to own it, and then drive it to success. And one of the groups of individuals across our system that have been the most impressive with regard to champions have been the physicians. And I think it's because they are you know, very deep into the caring for the patient. They're passionate by what it means to make that change happen. And they get the analytical perspective of making that change happen as well. And so maybe it shouldn't have been a surprise, but it was looking in retrospect that our biggest champions have been physicians who have latched on to the work that the innovation group is doing. And they said, yep, I'm there. I'm going to support you. We're going to make this change happen. And it's been a real success from that. So I, I'd say that it's creating the champions that have been driving innovation and having them at the forefront of that change and not the innovation group. What we try to do is to be influencers as opposed to being in the very front driving it. It's the champion that needs to because then they'll make sure that the long-term sustainability is there, not us. Chris, I think that's really neat and sort of how you guys have structured it and how you created just an initiative for the physicians to kind of step up. I mean, just from the outside in, I know that not every provider institution is doing that. And so I'm sure the, the physician partners that have been engaged found it to be refreshing to have a forward-thinking center like that to work with. They have, and I think that that's one of the reasons that we've had some of the really good success in some of the change we've created is because of the partnership, but it's also the leadership that has allowed for this 
change to happen across the organization from the very top with the president and CEO who believes in the importance of change and the innovation all the way through across to bedside nurses, to physicians that are driving this. I mean, it truly has to be a collaborative experience. And I'd say that if there was a challenge or if we're looking and you're not asking for this, but if I was to offer up, one of the challenges with this as well is, do you end up really pushing out the need for change and saying, yep, we are gonna create change. We're gonna go ahead and do all this innovation. We're gonna be front and center with all this. Or do you end up proving yourself through some examples, some successes, and letting the champions bring that forward. Our desire and what we decided to do when we launched the Center for Disruption and Innovation is that we weren't going to go forward and say, here's this big splash in what we're doing. We kind of stayed behind, or under the radar, I should say, behind the scenes to a certain extent, and try to make sure that the work we did kind of demonstrated the value itself. And because innovation is hard, it's not an obvious department of an organization like environmental services or nursing where there's a known structure, there's a known hierarchy. Everybody knows what goes on in those departments. Innovation is a little bit different. And so it ends up being either lost or it ends up being, you know, what are they doing over there in that department or, or those types of kind of misperceptions. And that's the balance which I think is hard for any group that focuses on innovation is, where's that line that you wanna get ahead of people and making sure that they know what's happening and the change that's taking place versus in your face and then leading with it and then possibly taking the chance that you may end up failing. So there's that fine line. And I don't think that we've ever formally found that right balance because it's just hard. We're just really trying to keep our heads down and proving some of the work we're doing and then letting that stand for itself. And then again, as I mentioned before, the champions would end up taking that and driving that further. Love it. Yeah, you know, and I think when people talk about balance, I heard once uh, a really great analogy is that, you know, it's not really balance. Balance implies kind of stagnation and just kind of static. It's more of a rhythm, right? And it's just like sometimes you get close and sometimes you get a little farther away, but as long as you continue Mm -hmm. working on it, it's that you stay in the right rhythm. No, that, that's a great perspective. Or also it's it's a blend, right? It's yeah. You've got to be able to move forward with a couple different streams and neither of them are end up being the predominant one at a particular time, but it's a blend between them. Yeah, I mean, that that's true. And we need to be maybe shifting some of that language to where people aren't thinking that <laughs> it needs to be one way or another, but it's a blend and we can be successful with that. That's, yeah. that's the next thing I'll work on. <laughs> you're, always, you're always staying on it, Chris. And- no, I'm tr- I'm trying. <laughs> hey, so so what would you say today is an exciting project or focus you're working on? A lot of the stuff that we've been doing around the Center for Disruption and Innovation has been really instrumental in helping us to create change. And that's the innovation world. The other thing that we've been doing is, of course, leading our organization towards creating change from a system perspective and from a strategic perspective. So I'd say the one of the biggest things is not necessarily grounded innovation, but it's the ability for us to kind of make change happen in a much bigger way. So we just finished work from a strategic perspective, and it was a 16-month process of coming together with Carolina's Health System and creating Atrium Health, or joining what was Carolina's Health System, which is now Atrium Health, and then all becoming one system now in three states. And I think think that's probably one of the most significant changes, of course, for the organization, because now we're able to continue driving what we think that we need to be doing for 
with the health of our communities, with a larger system that has a little bit more experience and expertise, but complements a lot of what we're doing. As we've been driving this process, one of the biggest things that's come from this that I've learned, and I knew early on when we started this, and then as we drove it through towards completion as of January 1st of this year, is the strategies we have in place are the right ones. The work we're doing to create healthy communities, to address equity of care and access and affordability are all the right ones. But now we're able to do it much faster than we could alone. And the beauty of what we're doing is that together we are so much better. And the result of this is going to be our ability to, across three states now, impact and really elevate the health of everybody in our respective communities. And so strategically, that's been the big focus over the last 16 months, while still trying to drive what we're doing around our local strategies, as well as the innovations in place. So that's probably the biggest one and most top of mind, because now we're working on the integration of the two organizations. And this just recently came to head about 25 days ago. You've been busy. We all have. It's, a, <laughs> it's, been, it's been a huge team effort. It's been, I have to say, it's been one of the most exciting experiences I've had. The team on both sides has been great. And you just know that you're doing the right thing for the organization when you both have the right cultures and you're both excited about this. And even during some maybe hiccups or some of the challenges as you go through this process, you always come back together and you just say, you know what, we're going to make it work. And I've been so lucky to work with amazing people, both within my own organization and then now our wider organization. So it's been a, a great labor of love over the last 16 months. Uh, Chris, kudos to you and, and the team over there and on the creation of this new system spanning three states. Lots of good to come. And I'm really excited to keep up with uh, where that goes. Getting close to the end of the interview here, this part of it is a lightning round. So quick, right. quick answer, quick question session. Five questions followed by a book that you recommend to the listeners. You ready? I am. I'm hoping I can limit it to just one book, but go ahead. <laughs> All right. There we go. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? I think the best way to improve healthcare outcomes is to focus on the community as a whole and to drive it towards elevating the health of communities, as I mentioned before. So it's got to be a team effort. It can't be done in silos. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Where people think that they're able to affect change within their own areas, as opposed to looking outside and doing this from a team approach. So getting that me thinking ends up getting in the way. And I think that's the biggest mistake or pitfall. How do you stay relevant despite constant change? It's those four guiding objectives I talked about at the beginning for us. That's been very clear. But having a path of where you're going to be able to sustain long-term relevance and change and then marching towards that with strong execution is how you're going to do it. Love it. What's one area of focus that drives everything in your organization? It's the mission of the organization. So really, in the end, it's to create the healthy communities and to elevate health and well-being through compassionate care. So that's what grounds us. And we actually went through a process in 2017 that we re-examined what that mission looked like and we adopted this current one which again galvanizes everything we end up doing together love it and the last question chris is a two-part question number one what is your number one health habit and number two is what is your number one success habit yeah probably my number one health habit and by habit you mean i do this every single day or that i work yeah, to try or, to do or it often enough yeah Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Because I, I can't say I do it every day. <laughs> no. it, it's, it's really that reflective meditation. I try to mm. do that. I try yeah. my best to do it twice a day. It doesn't always happen, but that's probably the best one. Love it. 
And how about your number one success habit? Success habit, I would say it's probably the volunteer work or the social work I end up doing mm. where I'm trying to drive that global change. And it's a habit where I don't know if I've achieved that success, but I believe the future of healthcare is global. So my volunteer work I do with the International Society for Quality and Healthcare and some other organizations, I think is what's going to lead me to future success in the future. And not me specifically, but our industry as a whole. It's all about creating that global change and not just thinking across our particular borders. We need to be thinking that in collaboration with others. Love that. And Chris, what book would you recommend to the listeners? (laughs) I don't know if I should disclose the fact that I have a stack of about 90 books next to my bed that I've not finished, but I would say it's some common ones that everybody recognizes and I will get to just one, but you know, Simon Sinek's Start With Why is incredibly important for me and grounding in the purpose. And I think you've probably heard some of that throughout. Clay Christensen's books, of course, are foundational for the work we end up doing, but I'd say maybe the book I would recommend is one by uh, Larry Bossidy uh, and Rem Charan, which is Execution. It's a book on execution that really allows people to think about the importance of no matter what strategies you end up having, it's the execution of that that you need to be doing, which is even more important. And I think that all organizations have a challenge when it comes to making sure that we're effectively executing on the stuff that we're doing. And that's the challenge that we're all trying to work on. That's powerful, Chris. I totally agree with you. And I think it's a great recommendation. Listeners, outcomesrocket.health in the search bar, type in Chris Cornu, that's C-O-R-N-U-E, or type in Navicent Health, N-A-V-I-C-E-N-T, and you'll find the entire transcript, show notes, as well as links to the things that we've discussed, including the book recommendation. Chris, this has been tremendously uh, uh, fun. I'd love if you could just leave us with a closing thought, and then the best place where the listeners could get in touch with you. Absolutely. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you, Saul, for having this conversation. I'd say that the closing thought is, if you're thinking about creating change, recognize that there's a continuum of innovation. There's a continuum of change you can create. Don't be limited by just what you think somebody else is doing. Find your own path towards making that change happen. Jump on that continuum wherever it makes sense for you, and then work towards creating that change. And the last thing I'll say is that, again, the future of healthcare is global. The more that we can do to share what's the best practice, but then also collaborate beyond our borders, the better we have to actually create that change and to create those healthy communities for everybody. So those are my closing thoughts. Love it, Chris. And if the listeners wanted to follow you or getting in touch, what would be the best way for them to do that? Probably through my Twitter handle, which is at Cornu, C-O-R-N-U-E. Outstanding. Hey, Chris, just want to say thanks again for carving out some good time with us. It was fun. Thank you. It was, Saul. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.